That campaign, it was for Gough Whitlam, I think 1972. Would it yes, have I been? think you're right. Chuck Faulkner was in it, and Bobby Lim, Bobby Lim, Bert Newton, Little Patty. Yes, uh, it's very Sydney orientated. Yes, wasn't it, it was. Mm-hmm. Yes, and according to Laurie Oak's book, I was also present, but I assure you, I was not. Well, that was one of the great campaigns, wasn't it? And we're looking at uh, with the great debate uh, tonight with the opposing uh, leaders, uh, looking at uh, the colourful characters and the campaigns and yeah. uh, the slogans, the slogans, if you mm-hmm. like, and the and the duos that worked against each other, but really were a part of Australian yeah, history yeah. Uh, with their yeah. uh, with their uh, display of works in Canberra and where the worm started for yeah. the TV debate, all that's, that sort of that's thing. That's right. Who mm-hmm. were the, who were the well, Ray Martin, I think, was the moderator in the first debate, and I yeah. think it was uh, Mr. Hewson, was it? And mm-hmm. uh, Back then, Doctor Houston was it? Yes, Doctor Houston. Yeah, and who was uh, Paul Keating? Perhaps uh, Kim Beasley. Mm-hmm. All right. Oh well, we'll discover that as the night progresses, won't we? We will. Who was in power and who lost power? And we talk now to Labor member for Noble Park, Terry Norris. Hello, Terry. Hello there, Bruce. How are you? Good, Terry. Hello, Philip. Yes, welcome back, Terry. Thank you're, you very much, mate. You're a retired member now. Do you miss the cut and thrust of the politics, Terry? Oh, look, I was only there for 10 years, Bruce. Mm-hmm. That was 82 to 92. Yes. Uh, and that was state politics, of course. But nice to hear that It's Time campaign. Yes. Oh, by the way, it brought back a lot of marvellous memories. And by the way, Melbourne was very much involved in that in that ad. If you look at it, uh, loads of the Melbourne people were in it, you know, whether it be Jared Kennedy, you know, myself, load, loads of Melbourne. They came down to Melbourne and did it as well. Bert Newton did his in Melbourne as well. Yes, yeah. yes. So, yeah. So that, that was a fascinating campaign yeah. and a very, very good one. Uh, it, yes, it was a very good one, wasn't it? Very successful. Did you have any aspirations to be Premier yourself, Terry? None whatsoever. In fact, I had no aspirations to be a politician, to be quite honest. So what, how did that happen? What it led was you, by accident. What led you to get there? I was always involved in politics. As you probably know, I was always a sort of a tub thumper. Yes. Uh, and, and always sort of, you know, one of the sort of radicals, shall we say. Uh, I was involved in Actors' Equity very much so, and loads of the protest movements that went on. You know, I was arrested with Jim Cairns during the anti-Vietnam days, all that sort of thing. I was, I was very much a sort of, your agitator, not agitator might be the wrong word, but radical, I suppose. Mm, mm. And I'd been on loads of Labour Party committees. I'd been a member of the Labour Party for well over, well, well over 20 years. And uh, look, I, right out of the blue, they approached me. I, 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 but at that stage, I, I'd been in two long-running soap operas. I'd done a Bellbird for about six years on the ABC, the original soap opera. And then I'd done Cop Shop yes. for about another five or six that's, that's about 12 years in soap, which is more than Colgate Palmolive would ever ask you to do. Uh, yeah. <laughs> so it was your, your high, and, p- high profile. That, uh, right out of the blue, because of my activity, I, I, was on the, I was on the Labor Arts Committee and blah, blah, blah. They said, would you like to run for a state seat? And, look, I, I was sick of acting at that stage. You know, I was at that sort of, you know, where I just put on the uniform and walked on and, you know, what lines have we got to say, etc. I'd, I'd lost the desire to act. And I, right out of the blue, I said, yes. And that was the seat of Noble Park, which Labor should have won the election before, but they didn't. They won a lot of the sandbelt seats, but they didn't win Noble Park. 
Uh, so it was a Liberal seat, and I had to win it. Unfortunately for me, I won it. Mm, and yeah. then it was, it was redistributed, and that was 1982. It was redistributed in about 1985 and abolished and was made into the, then the seat of, of sort of, uh, what, Springvale, possibly, and Dandenong. I moved sideways into Dandenong. So for the next two elections, I was the member for Dandenong. And but the, it was basically by accident. How did that change your life, Terry? It nearly changed my marriage, to be quite honest. Well, tell us. <laughs> because Julia thought she'd married an actor. Mm. And suddenly, poor darling, you know, here I was, you know, knee-deep in politics. Yes. Uh, full-time. Mm. Um... What can I say, Philip? It, it, I, I look upon those 10 years as, as an educative process. I realised, you know, what a very protected and privileged life I'd led, to be quite honest, and it was a wonderful education for me, uh, what the real community was like and what the, you know, what the problems and the desires and the aspirations of the ordinary people were. I remember you standing there at the opening of the uh, Southern Freeway. The sa- was it the right. Southeastern Indeed. Freeway? Eastern Freeway. Indeed. Yeah. You were against I think I got it. to do a verbal stoush yes. at the time. What happened there? Look, um, uh, we were being heckled by, by, by uh, an opposition member of the Parliament. And, uh, I uh, mean, were you, for, were you for the freeway or against it? Uh, we, were for, we were for it. Yeah. <laughs> we were for it, Philip. The Jeff Lee started to heckle us, and, uh, and I, I sort of, you know, I think we made the headline news that night. You did. Some of the remarks I made to poor Jeff. Anyway, but that's... That's the cut and thrust of, of grassroots politics. Well, how did you cope through the being a sensitive actor, Terry Norris? How did you cope with insults being hurled at you? Look, I loved it because having been an actor, I didn't have any difficulty, Philip, getting up and speaking. I think a lot of people who come into politics, you know, they might have been an accountant, they could have been a carpenter, or they, you know, whatever you like, financial advisor, and suddenly they're sort of called all sorts of times to get up and make a speech. Uh, I found it fairly easy because of my acting background, and it's the same in Parliament. You know, Parliament is very much a sort of a, a, a bullpit, if you know what I mean. It, it, you've, well, you've heard the goings-on in Parliament anyway. Federally, it was exactly the same in the state. It's an adversarial situation. You know, you're facing your opponents across the room, so hence it can be a bit of a bear pit. Yeah. And a lot of politicians who are not madly sure of getting up and speaking off the cuff, as you've got, as you've got to do in the Victorian Parliament... There's a standing order that says you cannot read your speech. Oh! So you've got to get up and ad lib it. Goodness me! Now a lot of a lot of people are just not capable of doing that no. successfully, particularly if you're having jibes and interjections flung so at you from you, the other side of the house. You can't have any notes at you all. You can refer to notes, ah. but even so, if you're referring to notes too often, they'll call a point of order. Oh, interesting. Um, the speaker, the Honourable Member for Daniel, and I was reading his speech. I'm not reading his speech, well, I'm just referring to notes. Yes. But that's but, easy for you because actors learn their lines. Exactly. It, wa- it mm. was, Philip. So I found that side of it fairly easy, whereas a lot of people, particularly a lot of the women, they find it fairly daunting. Yeah. Hence very short speeches. <laughs> they, they, they don't <laughs> go for it. It'd be good. You're limited, you're limited yeah. practically anyway, Bruce, regarding the amount of time you're allowed to I speak. Sub- but, yeah, are you? Yeah. But Ta- I take your point. It, it, some of you could say, you know, what you should say in about five minutes, and very often you stretch it to 20, put Ter- it that way. Terry you know. Norris, uh, who did you admire leading up to your involvement in politics? Was there a, a politician, a speaker? Possibly uh, Jim Cairns. Ah, uh, interesting. Uh, you know, Jim, uh, a great innocent, a great, a great idealist, yes. shall we say. Yes, um, In retrospect, I suppose, one might have, one, some people might have sort of said he was, he was too idealistic and, and in a way too naive, you mm. know, mm. That, he, that he was used by certain people. Yes. 
but, but I love Jim's idealism. He was an innocent. Yes. Totally innocent person. As, as a spectacular performer, you couldn't go past dear old Goff. Yes. He was a great, you know, he was a great uh, figure, you know, and, and he looked like somebody. He, he spoke like somebody. You know what I mean? He was a, he was, he was a great leader. Um, but, but regarding my, my, my ten years anyway, um, I would say that, that my, the way I look back on it is it was a great educative process, and I'm pleased I did it. I've got a greater understanding, I think, now of, of people. Look, I've got a great respect for politicians on both sides of the House. Ninety-nine percent of them enter politics for the very best of reasons. Mm. Mm. Uh, 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 and all wisdom doesn't reside on one side of the House. No, yeah, you no. know, I mean... Often we're very, very blinkered. I was 53 when I went in, so I'd lived a life. Mm. A lot of them are very young, or mm. a lot younger, put it that way, and they have tunnel vision. But I, I'd lived a life. I'd had a family, I, you know, and I'd sort of... I've had my struggles and battles and things. So I was able to sit back possibly uh, with a more matured eye, shall we say. Uh, I was also chairman of committees of the parliament and deputy speaker, uh, which meant I sat and heard a lot of debates and had to make certain sort of... You know, rulings and judgments, etc. Yes, uh, and that certainly enforced in my mind that all wisdom doesn't reside with one party. I read with interest in the uh, Sunday papers that you're about to embark on a, a new play. A whole group of big-named uh, stars are going into production. Well, look, Bruce. You know, I'm now 80, and I'm still working. Mm. Um, when I left politics uh, uh, in '92, um, I went straight back into acting. And fortunately for me, I've managed to pick up quite a bit of work still because of, there again, because of my age, as I was saying in the paper today, a lot of your competition dies off at my, yes. <laughs> my age. Yes. Terry, I don't know why you gave politics away. I was 63, Philip. Too old. Mm. You play- you know, if, if you're going to give your, uh, your time and your efforts and every moment to your electors, to your constituents... Uh, 63, I was too old. I would have been, if I had gone for another four years, you know, I would have been sort of late 60s. Mm. Now, my electorate of Dandenong was a very demanding electorate. You know, very diverse, huge multicultural population, lots of problems, unemployment, youth problems, you, know, you name it. And, um, you know, I, I acted almost like a social worker in, in, my, in my time in Dandenong. And... Um, known locally as, as Mr. Fix-It. You know, go and see Terry and he'll fix it for mm. you. So I enjoyed that aspect of it. Yeah. My door was open to everybody and, and I gave it 100% mm. of my time and effort. Yeah. Now, at the age of 63, I thought, look, I cannot do another four years and be, and, you know, and be truthful to, the, to these marvellous people. So I had, there was a wonderful young bloke coming up, John Pantazopoulos, who's still the member. He, he was then the mayor of Berwick. Uh, to take my place, and John's done a marvellous job since. So well, I was too old, Philip. Well, Terry Norris, we thank you for talking with us Not at all. Might the... I give a plug, Bruce? Yes. Um, I'm still working, as I say, and this, I'm back on the boards. We open in about uh, a week's time at 45 downstairs, Flinders Lane. Right. Do you know the venue? Yes. A lovely venue but... and a terrific play. Pamela Ray, Reese McConaughey, Annie Phelan, uh, myself, Jan Friel. Great cast, great play. Great. Do not go gentle, it is called. And as you will recall, uh, you, you two lovers of poetry, uh, the Dylan Thomas poem. 
Ah, yes. About his father dying and raging into the night. Sure? Of course. Oh, that'll be very poignant, Terry. It is indeed. It's a great play. It won the Patrick White Playwright Award. Yeah. Oh, right. So well, it's a lovely piece, beautifully acted, particularly right. by we, we 80 year olds. <laughs> yes. All right, and Terry. Say, I've learned the lines and good. I'll certainly not bump mm. into the furniture. Well, good luck with that, and uh, I hope it's a long run for you, both in uh, good health and, uh, and, and the play.